Ding, 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 ding. Oliver, oh, Oliver, get up. What, get what, up. what, Time what? Time to go to work, man. We got to do the podcast, dude. Got 14 million requests hit me on emails. No. Where's the podcast? No, let's go, man. let's go. Wake up. No, man, I got kids, man. Can you hear them whining? Oh, my goodness. Oh, drink oh. some of that cheap Bustello coffee you drink. Don't think about Kona. Uh, no, no, I don't think about <laughs> anymore, man. Too much jitters, man. Let's go, let's go. Get to work, get to work. All right, all right, all right, all right. Music. and I'm joined with Don. Don, how have you been? Yeah, I'm okay. Hanging in there. I'm all right. Yeah, it's been a while. So, um, hey, we're back with the Inspired Eye podcast where it's all completely an informal talk about photography. So, um, there's a guy that we had on the on the, on the blog. He actually said uh, something that you like to say, the camera as intrusion. Let's talk about that. What is the camera as intrusion, Don? Okay, first, uh, I think first you have to understand the what it is that it is intruding on and that is the creative process of the creative process of making photographs on the street so what happens is and as we have mentioned many times before the eye heart and mind come together and create your intent so you're walking down the street and you know and you, and you want to make a photograph and you're, you're really like hungry for it and all of a sudden something calls out to you and you can feel and you can start to see something developing right in front of you. And you pick the camera up. You're all excited, man. You're like ready to go. You're ready. You're ready to man, cock the shutter and everything goes. And all of a sudden, the light meter on the back where the histogram says, no, 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 you're three stops under. And the focal length of the lens is wrong and you're at the wrong exposure. That's the camera intrusion. What should happen? And this is I have to I'm not bragging, but I am saying that I got very good at this. Uh, I don't keep cameras that make an intrusion. So if I'm walking down the street and something happens, I will pick up, for example, the XP1, look, frame, boom, it's done. Exposure's all right, everything is ready to go, and that's it. Anything that comes into that, other than that, becomes an intrusion. And of course, it messes up your, your photographs. You can't concentrate, you can't do the work. You have to be able to be free with your camera. The camera has to be like a friend. Like I always say on my blogs, I name my cameras so that when I'm going out to work, like, for example, uh, uh, like my XP1 is named Andre, after Andre Cortez. So when I'm taking Andre and I'm walking on the street and Andre's in my hand or something, I'm out there with my friend. And my friend's not going to mess me up to make a photograph. But if you go out there, and I'm not saying everybody, but you go out there and you think of your camera as a tool, now all of a sudden you got to find something to, to make it work. Just like if you had a hammer, you got a, a hammer is no good unless you find a nail to bang it in with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you can think about your, your your camera as a tool, but for me, it's much more poetic to think about my camera as my friend when I'm making photos, and I don't get any intrusions. Hold on, just a sec. He's crying. That's all. Right. He wants his Leica. It's Leica time. Leica. No, but it's just he's he doesn't want to go to sleep. I mean, he is so 
he will force himself not to go until he gets what he wants. Oh, you, you can't hear to cry. Oh, no, we can't hear. None of us, oh, none oh. of us can't hear, right? None of us can hear uh, the baby scream or the holler for dear life. None of us can hear nothing. No, for real? No, for real. We don't hear nothing, man. Nothing. Can't hear it, man. Okay, all right. See, when you get old, you learn how to tune that stuff out. And no, you don't ser- hear. no, seriously. Can, can, can you hear it? Can of you hear course it? you can hear What do you think? Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, he's gone now. All right, let's go back. Um, yeah, so we're talking about how the camera can be treated as a tool. And, then, you know, if it's treated as a tool, it's kind of like very impersonal. And it's kind of like you're picking up a hunk of metal or plastic or whatever. It's very impersonal, you know, and it's uh, utilitarian in, 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 in feel and in, in what it's going to do. And when you think of a, of a camera as a friend, it becomes much more poetic, you know. And, and that's, how I, that's how I look at my cameras. That's how my cameras look at me, too. That's why I name them. That's why, like, on my blog right now, I have this whole big thing going on. International, intergalactic, intercontinental, you know, Fuji X-20 naming procedure. So I got I got about millions of people responding to that and suggesting all kinds of different names. But yeah. it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. My Ricoh GRD4, I name him Eugene, for Eugene Smith. I mean, that camera, man. Whew. Yeah, it's a great camera, man. I mean, no intrusion whatsoever from a GRD4. You know, in in the best of worlds, you know, you would look at something and you would blink, and magically you would have a photograph appear in your hands. You know, that would be the ideal thing. But you know, in this world that we live in, you actually need something in the middle between you and your vision. You know, what you have inside your mind's eye. It cannot just appear out of uh, out of nothing. So that's the camera. It's the link between you and your vision. And once you see it like that, you know, if you put, for example, like um, a piece of string between you and your vision, and if you put some weight in there, and that weight would be some in- some kind of intrusion, you know, of course, not everything would be would go smoothly. I remember clearly, um, actually, my photography took off when I got to GRD4 because it's actually the first camera that I got that I really understood what having no intrusion meant. You know, it's it was it got out of the way. I just put it out of my of, of my pocket, and once I put it out. You know, it's it was like magical. I could actually have what I have inside my head out there. I think the biggest uh, factor on intrusion is actually ergonomics and handling for me. You know, because a camera can have like 15 million megapixels. You know, it would be, it would be nice and stuff like that. But if you cannot have what's inside your mind behind of your camera, you know, I think it's 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 really worthless. Yeah, I remember when the uh, uh, in the be- well, towards the very beginning of digital. Sony came out with a camera called Mavica, Sony Mavica. Oh yeah, and, uh, with with floppies, right? With a floppy disk, yeah, and and uh, you know the uh, I think the disk was 1.4 megabytes maybe or something like that, and the files were one point. The files were like uh, like 14 or 15 kilobytes. Oh man! And when I got that camera, <laughs> of course I got like right away. I thought, well, this is really looking like a camera. This is really really cool. I shot thousands of pictures on that one camera thousands and it was all done on one disc the only thing, one, one floppy disc you know so you know so there's there's a thing that the thing was that when i used that camera i really made a lot of really good photographs mm-hmm. i didn't have any problems with it. the camera you just pressed a button and the camera you fired and that was it so when you know when you're thinking in terms of like cameras, you're, you're thinking in terms of you got to have like 24 megabytes, 30, 36 megabytes. You got to have 16.3 megabytes or whatever. I mean, it's not necessarily not necessarily 100% true. And by the same token, uh, 
you, you got to find a way to be comfortable with your camera and, and th because otherwise you will have intrusions. I mean, things that could be intruding is like you got this great, great camera and you love it. You're holding everything. But there's one thing you've got the thumb. The thumb just hits a button. It hits a button or something like that. You know, no matter what happens, you get out there and you're working all of a sudden you, without even knowing it. And that's the worst part. Without knowing it, the thumb has hit a button that does something to the camera. So then some guy said, huh, I need a thumb grip somehow, something to get my thumb out of the way. And lens made a lot of other people made the thumb grip, but that is a lifesaver for, you know, illegal thumb pressing procedures. That's mm -hmm. it. So, right? No, I agree. So it's all, it's all about how you, you can adapt, you know, but by the same token, the perspective, which I don't like to use that word, but the, the attitude that you look at it, if you're looking at it as a tool, you're never going to get past that. You're always going to be frustrated. I'm telling you, you'll always be frustrated with your work. If you're looking at it as a tool, if you're looking at it as a friend, your camera is a friend or around your neck or your hand, you will find that it's you work together much easier. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's it's all about trust. You know, you trust that the camera will do what it needs to do to give you your your image. You know, a tool is like it's completely at your service, but, you know, the camera has a more... Um, more important role than just a tool because it's actually the channel that you will use to get your vision. So I do, I do believe in, in treating your camera right. We're not going to go woozy woozy and stuff like that, but for real, the camera is, um, it's more than a tool because it, it's your partner into getting what you want, you know, yeah. and having, I actually had a lot of cameras and when it comes to intrusions, it's pretty simple. It's, you can't get what you want for some reason or another. And what's important is that what is intrusion, intrusion for you might not be intrusion for me and vice versa. <laughs> It all depends on, on our needs and our vision and what we really want out of, out of a camera. For me, if a camera does not have at least two dials, it's going to have an intrusion for me because I need those controls at the minimum to have what I, what I need from, from, from a scene. There's a lot of cameras. They're very good. I just can't use them because I don't have those controls. You know what I mean? And any camera that does not have those two controls, like aperture, shutter speed, the ISO can be a bit further down. I got no problem with that. But if it doesn't have any sort of manual control right there, it's going to create a, an intrusion for me. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think that that's what I'm saying. A camera has to be your friend. I mean, you know, you you uh, you go through your life and you make, you know, you make friends. But not everybody on the on the planet becomes your friend. Only certain people actually become your friend. And then there's an inner circle that only a few people actually manage to get to the inner circle of your friendship, right? Yeah. So it's the same with cameras. Like one man's heaven is another man's hell. I agree. Right? So if I mean maybe well, I'm not I know a woman named Sarah. She's an excellent shooter. I mean, she was like uh maybe twenty-seven or twenty-eight when I met her way back in the day, way back. Now she's probably like uh, fifty-five or something like that. Great photographer. What she wants from a camera is to press the button. That's it. She don't uh, want to set f stop. She don't want to set shutter speed. She doesn't want to see knobs. She doesn't want. She wasn't what doesn't want blinking lights. She wants to just be able to take her camera out, press the button, and, and the picture is perfect the way she wants it. And she very rarely looks through the little eye finder on the camera. It's kind of like a little viewfinder, you know, a real little viewfinder. But very rarely does she look through that. So what happens is. She can do like what they call hip shots or something like that, much more accurate than anybody I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I, for her, that's an ideal camera. Then you have other people that want to work with uh, 
you know, like what the Fujis or the Sonys or the Nikons are excellent cameras. They're more retro, you know, so it kind of like falls back. Fuji's experts at that, you know, they it falls back on the past of other cameras like Leicas and stuff like that. So it depends on the on the circumstances that you you want inside of a camera to make it work for you. But that's still, in my mind, it still does not make it a tool. There's a whole lot of cameras I can see that are tools. Like when I go, if I would go into B and H or a camera store, there's probably a hundred different cameras there I look at, and they seem utilitarian to me. And yet I see that one camera. Whoa! Look at that. Whoa! Look at this. Oh my God! This is great. How much? That becomes a friend. Yeah, there's some cameras for some reason they got personality. Yeah. You know, and they're literally irreplaceable. You know, there's some there's some very rare few cameras. That are very much irreplaceable. You know, there's a lot of cameras. You know, if there's a new update out. You know, it's like, all right, who cares? But there's some other cameras. It's like, and they're the they're the cameras that 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 uh, become cult cameras. You know, like yeah. the there's the Contax G2. That thing is, I mean, it's still heavily heavily used by a lot of people. You know, it's it's one of those kinds of cameras. I'm familiar. I'm very familiar with it. I, I remember when the camera came out. Uh, I think it was. Uh... <coughs> Eric, Eric uh, Mencher, who was a, at the time was a, a, a photographer in Philadelphia, he was shooting the G1, and I think his wife's name was Kitts, or Katz, I think it was Kitts, and he got her a G2. And we met, uh, we met at an opening or something down at the Art Alliance at one, one point, and they had both models there, because they both had their cameras with them. They could share the lenses, but... They both had their different bodies, and I checked them out and thought it was nice, you know, but at the end of the day, when I walked away, I had my M4 on my shoulder, and I don't care nothing about that little contact crap. <laughs> you know, the glitch and glare, autofocus, and turn to push the dial and blinking lights on the inside. Man, get out of here, man. I don't want that crap on my camera. My M4 has nothing in it. Nothing. Yeah. I looked through that finder. It was a 35-millimeter frame, and that was it. Didn't have a range finder patch. Nothing. I had everything taken out, you know. Yeah, it's it's weird. Sometimes you think that. Well, actually, for me, because now you 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 said about your friend um, that uh, that likes everything automatic. But yeah. for me, the less the less camera can be automatic and all fancy fancy, the more for me it's I can really work with it, you know. Because that that's why I like uh, manual focus lenses and and do manual focus because I you know I just need the the simplest thing as possible and. Sometimes for me, the um, automation becomes an intrusion. You know, sometimes, for example, I want, I see it, I see something, I want to focus here. Okay, with manual focus, there's there's no big deal. I know exactly where to stop. You know, but sometimes, for for example, with autofocus, the autofocus will hunt something somewhere else. You know, and that would that would break a lot of st- stuff for me, and and I'll have to um, take time and recompose and stuff like that. And yeah. it also happens for. Um, Sometimes when the when when the meter is off and then it, it's just like I see an image and I'm praying I'm like oh my goodness and it, I, it's too fast you know for the for for all the automation and sometimes it just blows it blows it like blows the the, um, the exposure for me you know and that's that's an intrusion. The way I use my my cameras, especially uh, well like the uh, the XP1 now uh, actually all of them but uh, you know what what I do with the XP1 for example is uh, I set. Uh, you know, I, the first the first thing I do when I have a camera is I test the exposure meter. And the way I test the exposure meter, it's not the way everybody tests the exposure meter. I throw the camera on auto ISO, 
Uh, with the Fuji, I, I always put the dynamic range on 100, so kind of like disconnect, and it won't shift the ISO. So I put the camera on auto, auto ISO, and then I go outside and say, all right, well, uh, this should be 125 at F8 at ISO 400. That's what it should be. Mm-hmm. So then I throw the cam. I set the camera to 125 and eight, and I look at the camera and the cat to see what the ISO is reading. So the ISO is, it should be reading close to what I'm saying, because that's what I want for my exposure. I don't want the camera telling me something different. Yeah. And then after a while, like after about a couple times, like maybe like three, four days, I start to really trust the meter and the camera. I, I have a, an aversion to light meters. I have a, a, a strong aversion. I don't like them. So anyway, I start to trust that camera so now i want to go out and work with the camera i set 125 at eight and i don't question what the meter is doing i don't set it to 400 or 200 or 800 i set auto iso and that makes the camera an interactive part of the process that i'm doing that we and we are actually doing it together now because i'm choosing the exposure and the camera is verifying it by setting the iso so my friend is not going to let me down it's going to make sure that i'm right and it doesn't want to argue with me Cameras don't like to argue because then the batteries come out and they don't go back in. So if I set 125 at 8 and I say, that's the exposure, the camera's got to set the right ISO. If it doesn't, say, look, dude, you know, I'm saying it's 125 at 8 and you're going to choose the ISO. Because if I have to set the ISO myself, it ain't going to be pretty in, in, in shooter land, okay? It ain't going to be a pretty sight. <laughs> you're, going to see, you're going to end up seeing the box. Yeah, you're going to see the box, man. It's going to be on eBay. And I, no. I have sent a few back like that. No, uh, not yeah. eBay, not eBay. We'll tell you later how many horror stories we have from eBay. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. Anyways, that's for another, um, another yeah, no podcast. Problem, but that is the intrusion stuff. It's about the only thing for me that could create the intrusion. You know what I mean? That that's a very strong intrusion for me is the exposure. You know, if the camera doesn't have the right meter in it to choose the right ISO, just because you set it auto ISO doesn't mean it's going to be right. Yeah, that's why that's why your metering mode is important. And uh, yeah. if, if you don't know what a metering mode is, uh, guys, we're going to have a nice free uh, workshop by email with videos and all that stuff explaining all that good stuff. So if you don't know what it means, you'll you'll be able to know in a few, like, I guess, by the end of the month, it should be out. So, Don, what, what does it mean for somebody that has a camera intrusion, intrusion of, a, of the camera? What does it mean concretely? It means that it means that you have a, a, a ball and chain on your leg and you're going through the world. You're trying to make photographs, you know, and you're concentrating on your camera and concentrating on the scene. But every time you take a step, that ball and chain is dragging along with you. You can't have that when you're trying to work. You could be out there and maybe you're maybe you're maybe you're uh, let's say you're out there and you set 125 at f8 and the meter is not quite so accurate in there or you're playing with that uh, EV comp should never be on a camera get it the hell off you don't need it in manual mode I'm shooting in manual mode I don't what, what do I need EV for why would I want to oh I got to turn this up a half a step well you can't do that with your shutter speed or your ISO you want to keep everything the same and you want to have your cake and eat it too. You don't get to eat your cake and, and still have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So give me something to do with that EV button that makes sense for me. I'm not saying everybody else. Like Ray Sachs is a very big user of EV button. He uses it all the time. He uses it really well. I'm a P-TAC hour too. Well, I'm not. I want to be able to change that, but I can't. EV, EV is the, I think for me, it's the magical button that would save a camera that is otherwise completely automatic. 
You know what I mean? I, I got no problem to camera choosing a lot of settings, but at the end of the day, I like the EV saying, whatever you you, you do, minus one, plus one, whatever, you're still in control at the end. You see what I mean? But if you, okay. if you, but if you have a, like a regular um, manual camera, I think it's, it's pointless. And I, I would like to have it as an ISO button. That would be cool. So back to the conversation, you said um, it, it's like a, a, a big ball that you're dragging. So that's when, yeah. that's yeah. when the camera is an is yeah. intrusion, right? Well, that's what an intrusion is. An intrusion is something that pops up when you're when you're trying to work that just holds you back from doing it you know it, you know like if you were uh if, well that's what it is the ball and chain is holding you back from doing what you're trying to do so it could be a lot of things it could be like maybe uh maybe you well one of the things that gets people on the xp1 uh even the guys that are experienced is they put a lens on they put a lens hood on and then all of a sudden they realize that the the lower corner quadrant of the finder is blocked off because the lens or the hood is blocking it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, that, that that could become an intrusion. It does become an intrusion for many. And then they want to go to an SLR-type camera like the X-T1. But that doesn't happen, you know what I mean? Because you're looking directly through the lens. So that could become an intrusion. A lot of things could become an intrusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have to, if you got to go into your menu and search for ISO or oh, yeah. search for shutter speed, mm-hmm. that certainly becomes an intrusion. An intrusion is anything that stops you at the price, at the precise second that you want to make the photograph. There was a guy, I don't know, maybe some of these people don't know who he is. It was a long time ago, back in his 50s and stuff. His name was Henry cartier Brisson, And he developed a term called the decisive moment. Well, whether or not we agree with that or not, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that what, what that means is at the very precise, decisive moment, you're releasing the shutter, not trying to change your shutter speed or looking through your camera, seeing a lens or something that creates an intrusion. You're just free to work and capture. That's it. Anything that stops that becomes an intrusion. Yeah, because it's at uh, the highest moment that you need it. Because if you arrive at the decisive moment and your camera falls apart, well, there it wasn't a, you know, you, you, you're, you're screwed. You know, because you needed your camera at, at that point. So I think the lesson is basically: is your camera actually holding you back from your vision? That's the that is the biggest question. It is the biggest question, and and only only the uh, the person that is listening to this that's trying to discover that will know the answer. Yeah. And and, and this is not something you know, like this sounds like I've been accused on on a, a few forums uh, of being very esoteric. In, in my thoughts and how I do things. And you're right, I probably am very esoteric because you know, I believe that that not everybody wants to be as serious or as, or as immersed in photography as I am. And I believe that. And there's nothing wrong with it on the outside of that either. But if you look at eBay, just for example, eBay or Amazon, there's thousands of cameras being sold. Why are they being sold? What's wrong with the cameras? Somebody needs the money? Okay, let's rule that out. We'll say that's a certain percentage. But they're being basically they're being sold because you know I got this camera and I I use it and there's something wrong with it. The, uh, it's not like the button layout. I, I don't like the boom going buy something else. You think the guy just gave up photography, sold his camera and lens, and just gave up photography, and now he goes out and climbs mountains and skis down the side of mountains? No, no, that's not what happened. Intrusions got in the way. And they dumped the cameras on eBay. It's called poison your mind, which is what my grandmother told me like when I was a kid, like 10 or 11 years old. So that's like 50 some odd years ago. And then my uncle repeated to me, here's the lesson I learned. 
my my uncle had a tree out in front of his house, and when I was working with him, we, were, we would go back and forth, and the tree was just there all the time, beautiful holly tree. One day, we're out there, we're talking, we're smoking a cigarette outside, and we're that's when I smoked, and we're talking, and he said, he said to me, if I tell you right now, there's a million dollars planted right behind that the stump of this tree, it's there, I put it there. You will never, ever, ever, as long as you live, forget that that million dollars is there. You're going to want to go for it, right? I said, yeah. He said, if I also tell you that there's a black bear right in front of that tree, and every time you try to go to get that million dollars, that black bear is going to stand up. You're never going to get that million dollars. You're never going to forget that black bear. So what that means is you poison your mind. Here you got this perfect camera. It does everything you want it to do. But that little button on the back, every time you pick that baby up, that little button just pushes against your thumb and says, <laughs> eBay, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'll say it doesn't matter. eBay. Let me tell you, if it was not for the thumb, the thumb grip, uh, I don't remember which one I have one. I think it's a lens mate, which is real nice. But if it was not for that black thumb grip on my XP1, it would not be my XP1. That camera would be gone. And the XE1 also, they would be gone. So basically they should give up the camera for small intrusions because any small uh, intrusion will actually nag you. Is that correct? Yeah, it's correct. You know, like they always say, you know, like when you're doing something, you know, it's always the little things to get you. It's never the big things. The big things you can wrestle and get out of the way. But it's always the little things to topple the fall. Okay? Always. So... You, you, you could have a camera. Your, I mean, when I got the XP1, I fell in love with the cameras. Oh, my God, I love this. It brings back the Leica experience. That's another conversation, but it's a strong, valid conversation. It brings back my Leica experience. I love it. It works great. It's beautiful. And I was taking this thing out and shooting, and that stupid button, that stupid button, my thumb would hit. And I said, you know something? It's not my thumb's fault. My thumb is trained. I have a really intelligent thumb. You know what I mean? It knows what to do and it knows where to go. And it goes right where that button is. It will it doesn't go anywhere else. It goes to that button. And then I read on one of the forums that it was uh it was a Fuji X, Fuji X form, which is a great source of information for the Fuji, you know, for the Fuji cameras. Somebody said, you know, they were talking about this button, and I just like laid back. I was just reading because I'm not that stupid, you know what I mean, that I'm going to have a problem with a button, but I'm sure enough want to learn how to do it. So he put a link to LensBait. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, 39 bucks or something. I popped that sucker. It came in the mail like three, four days later. I ordered it overnight. Came in the mail, put it on the camera, and said, this is my camera. There is no longer an intrusion. If I But I also realized, if I ever lose this thumb grip, I'll lose the camera because <laughs> I can't take that button there. That's how you get rid of an intrusion. There's always ways. What's that guy, uh, Richard uh, Richard Franiak? He, uh, he he does great things. One of the things that really happens with a lot of cameras, unfortunately he doesn't do all of them, but he does do a lot, is the grip of the camera. People always complain about the grip. And Richard makes these beautiful grips that match perfectly to the camera. They match perfectly. You glue it on, it doesn't move, doesn't come off. They're not that expensive. They absolutely, without the shadow of a doubt, Make the camera grip. They yeah. make the grip for the camera. In case you can't get any of um, of the Daniel uh, Richard Fanny grip, which I recommend first because they're actually made for specific cameras. I recommend flip back 
G through three and four. You know, it's like it's like you, you glue it. You know, you just peel it and just stick it. You know. Um, yeah. That camera really made for me the LF1. The LF1, its biggest flaw is the front. You know, it's like there's nothing in there. There's no grip, nothing. And the the Flipback G4 really made that camera. So if you can get one of these, you know, put it there. But the grip is actually a good um, intrusion because sometimes your camera will slip. You know, Absolutely. That Absolutely. More than once. Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys, it's been uh, half an hour now, and... Um, I got to go back to sleep. Nah, nah actually, I got I to gotta go back with the work. But uh, hey, it's good to be back. So uh, look forward to an episode of Inspired Eye podcast every week. So uh, see you next time, guys. Yeah, take care. Have a good one. Uh, any questions or anything, send us an email. Uh, you know, send a comment on our blog. We are approachable. You are approachable. So what are you waiting for? Huh? What and, are you waiting for? And we're lovable, man. <laughs> we're lovable. That's that's the that's the key word. Now speak for yourself. Okay? <laughs>